0: What's going on, everybody? I'm Josh Miller, and welcome to the Purpose Project, where I give you a seat at the table with fellow business owners and creatives as we discuss how they found their purpose in life and how they made it all happen. Today, we sit down with Chase McCants, the director of employee development and engagement at Olive. Let's get into it. So, so first up, kind of give me a run through of like where you are today, and like give me a background on like how you got to here.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, so as far as, so what I'm doing today mostly focuses on, uh, employee learning and, uh, and, and of course their happiness. Um, so their connection to the organization itself, uh, connection to each other. And we like to say connection to their communities too, as much as we can. Uh, right now with Olive, Olive traditionally was a, um, in office company. So if you were, uh, hired. You worked in Columbus, and you worked in the office. But now that most of our, our you know, employees are, are outside of Ohio, I think it's. of our current employees don't live in Ohio. Um, You know, we want to make sure that they feel connected to each other, but uh, of course, the communities that they live in, because those are often the communities that we hope to impact. Right. Uh, uh, And so that's what I'm doing right now, focusing on their professional development, uh, uh, focusing on them, learning more about our organization and how it works, uh, just because you know, you could know healthcare, but the other part is the technology side of it, and specifically with artificial intelligence, uh, it's it's a lot to process and understand. And so, uh, my team works on that, but we also, you know, again, work on their happiness and their connection with the organization, which is incredibly important when you think about, you know, happiness and retention and keeping a lot of legacy knowledge uh, within the company, uh, right. especially given the insane amount of competition when it comes to where anyone can work because you can work from your home now.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Heck yeah. And then, and then, so how did you, how did you get to to where you are today? So kind of give me like a background on like everywhere from like first job to like how you like, you know, have, have gone through, you know, these last several years of of finding, finding these types of
1: positions that you're now,
0: that, that you're now kind of sticking with.
1: All right. Let me see if I can. So what I'll do is I'll try and you might have to you might have to edit this. It's a long story, but there is a through line to it. So when I was I'll take you back to high school, even though that was decades ago. Perfect. When I was in high school, I just skipped school a lot. Um, And it was because it was the first time that I went to a uh, I'm from Detroit and went to a uh, uh, I I went to specialized schools from first grade all the way up to, to eighth grade. But ninth grade high school was when I went to Detroit public schools, no special programs or anything like that. And and my my high school was one of the worst ones in Detroit. Uh, And so my mom left work before I left for school, so I would just stay home. And, uh, And I did that a bit. And then someone introduced me. Uh, my history teacher introduced me to the journalism program. Uh, she saw that I was a decent writer and she recommended me to, to, to try it out and I loved it. And I loved it so much that I knew that that is what I wanted to be. I wanted to work for newspapers uh, and that's what got me to go to college, you know, or at least wow. consider it. Uh, and so I picked Ohio State. Uh, uh, I did that for a few reasons. Um, you know, I'm a gay guy. Uh, I didn't really want to live in the closet anymore. And I didn't want to live under a pres- uh, pressure to be in the closet if I went to school in Detroit and saw my old classmates. Right. Uh, so I came here um, and still wanted to be a print journalist. But the problem was people were stopping reading newspapers. Uh, and so I was going on these internships and I would see you know, newspapers that you could tell used to be massive and they had reduced their workforce. And so of course I thought, I need to find another. <laughs> I, I, I need to figure out what I'm gonna do with the rest of my life because this is probably not gonna be it. Right. Uh, and so uh, one of our good friends, uh, I met Anthony uh, Dillard back in uh, freshman year of college. And uh, about two years into college, we, we joked around and said we should start a band. Uh, we did. Uh, and, and so we, we ran with that and I said, this is what I want to do. I don't care if I'm poor doing it or anything like that. I just want to make music. And then we graduate and you've got to make money. Right. And so (laughs) that's when I found myself in the world of, uh, of sales, uh, Anthony worked for Sprint Nextel. Uh, and so I, uh, I applied and, and got a job there and. The cool thing, so so Sprint Nextel. I, I was not a, a, a trained or seasoned salesperson. I had never done it before. But there were two things that I was really good at. Uh, one was asking lots of questions. That came from the reporter journalists in me. Uh, and the second thing is I was a great actor. I was a minor in theater, right? And so for me, I was like, okay, this is just playing a part. And so I found... Um, You know, I I found my persona. Uh, There were people who had very different sales styles uh, and I was not super good with numbers. I was not, uh, you know, some people used to flirt with their customers to get their sales. So what I did was I said, you know, I love technology. I've loved technology since I was a kid. So I'm going to be your uh, son or the kid up the street that knows a ton about computers and you trust them uh, because they take that that all that technical language, and they make it super easy for you to understand, right? Right. And that's what made me successful in sales. I didn't have to trick anybody into it. I would take these complex phones and show people that they weren't as scary as they thought they were. So I did that for Sprint. Nextel moved over to AT&T because they had the iPhone and I was tired of competing against them. And then um, I didn't enjoy my time at AT&T at all uh, uh, because it really did feel like we were numbers to the organization. Uh, and, and with hundreds of thousands of employees, I'm sure that's what we were. Um, but when I moved over to Apple, that's when things started to change because you know while I was at AT&T, uh, we, you know, I had to cover up my tattoos, obviously had to take off a lot of my facial piercings. And towards the end of my tenure there, um, they even started to script how we would interact with customers, wow. which which really does something to you. You know, when you show up to work and you are told that who you are, um, whether that be something superficial as piercings and tattoos, or something deeper than that, which is how you communicate with someone, it tells you that you yourself are not enough. And so um, uh, when I went to Apple, that was not the case. They said, put on the blue shirt, put on a lanyard. We don't care how you look, other than that. Go sell products and don't even sell products that people, uh, that, you know, that will make us more, more money. Sell the products that they need, right? And it was like, whoa, this is a new space, right? And it was awesome. But it was after that that I got started in my first startup and that was Cover My Meds. And Cover My Meds is obviously here in Columbus. Back then they were a really, really small employer. There was only about 10 of us. And you know, secretly I did not plan on staying there very long. Uh, me and two of my friends were planning on moving to Seattle. Uh, and so it was just a job to have for about 10 months. But I fell in love with the place for all of those reasons that I just talked about, right? When I first showed up to work, I was wearing a button-up. Uh, I think I was wearing a tie, khakis, and dress pants, even though everyone else was in street clothing. And after a few days, I started dropping a lot of it. So I showed up in jeans and uh, button-up and gym shoes. And then a few days later, I just showed up in jeans and I think a, uh, a regular shirt. And then I slowly started to put, I, I think I rolled my sleeves up and put my facial piercings in, and I'll never forget, the um, woman by the name of Michelle Brown, she was the VP of Operations at the time. I was walking back from getting lunch and I remember she was walking towards me and she looked at me and she looked down at my arm and then went to go get lunch. And I went back to my desk and put my hoodie on and took my facial piercings out and at the end of the day I went to her and I said, listen, I you know, listen, I can totally cover up my tattoos. I can put my piercings, you know, I obviously can take that out um, if it bothers anyone. And she just like looked at me and she was just like, I, I mean, I don't really, I don't care. Like if it, you can wear whatever you want to work, like maybe don't wear sweatpants, but, but like you can, it's weird that you're asking this. <laughs> right. And like, as awkward as it was, there was just this huge sigh of relief. And so that is really what kicked off everything that came, right? At Cover My Meds, I was told that who I am is enough, even though I was just customer service. And that gave me this enthusiasm, not only for myself to enjoy it, but I wanted other people to experience the same thing I was because I thought that the adult experience was everything that I got at AT AT&T and Sprint and Nextel. We are numbers. Right. when you get to a space that says, no, 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 we actually care about you as a person, I needed everyone to experience that. And so I was customer service for a while. My manager, uh, when you're in a room with the entire company, they overhear how you speak to customers. So that, uh, uh, you know, when I talk about taking something that's highly technical and making it easy to understand, that's all I did all day on, on customer service. I told them how to use our website. And my manager says, you do a great job with our customers. You should be an account manager. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that is, but sure, let's try it, right? Uh, and so I become an account manager uh, and my, my folks were, were providers and I swear the story will go a lot faster. Uh, my, my folks were, were doctor's offices. We are debuting a new product. So I need to teach the company how that product works and it's under my purview. So I create a training for it. My manager comes to me after the training is done and says, you did a really good job with that training. And slowly but surely they start taking away my account manager duties and giving me people to train. And what fueled that was a combination of me loving to take technical crazy things, whether it's technical stuff, technology, or understanding healthcare and making it easy for other folks to understand, and my enthusiasm about this this company that I was working for. And so, uh, uh, you know, first I was promoted to operations trainer, and then I was promoted to company trainer, and that meant I trained everyone in the organization. Wow. And I did that all the way up to 2018. I uh, I always say my my biggest claim to fame is training well over 900 employees that work there, which was awesome. Damn. Um, I'm eventually moved on. Uh, uh, There was an opportunity where, so when you're at a startup, you do a lot of roles, and so I was never HR, but because our HR team was in a uh, office in Cleveland, and everyone knew me, I was the de facto, like, ask Chase questions, and so I, I did it in an unofficial capacity, and I was more of an evangelist of the culture of the organization, because it treated me so well. So I got an opportunity to interview for the head of talent role at Beam Dental, which was talent acquisition, hiring people, talent, talent management, HR, engagement, all that good stuff. And it was tough, but I eventually, t- I, I took the role um, and it was my first time leading a major function in the organization. And I stayed there for two and a half years. Something similar where I, want, I, I wanted people to, to experience what the world of a startup is like. Uh, to come to work and be their authentic selves, to celebrate our diversity, the ways that we're different in a way that's positive. Uh, uh, and so I did that for two and a half years and then saw this really awesome opportunity to come to, uh, to Olive. Uh, uh, I had a good friend who worked at Olive. Uh, she is a fantastic human resources uh, 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 professional uh, and, and got to meet up with some other folks that I knew Uh, And I took the job. And what was nice was that it gave me the opportunity to to do the two things that I love, uh, learning and development, as well as engagement, right? And so I get to meet all of our new employees. I get to talk to them about uh, uh, the culture of Olive. uh, And I also get to hopefully help them learn how to be better, better professionals themselves. And so all of that out of the love of technology and just this enjoyment of being in a space that tells you that who you are is enough, that's what's fueled the majority of my career. And that's why I stay in this space. Wow. So yeah, long story. That's great. No, I mean, that was like perfect right there, man. I'm like trying to think like, he's, you're like hitting all these
0: dots. Like it's like, that's why you're a great songwriter. And, and, and you know, you have that journalist background cuz I can tell cuz like you hit all the boxes I was going to ask you to check off later like you already got them in that one. No, oh, so, yeah? yeah, man, that was perfect, man. That was great. Woo! Heck yeah. So um so so yeah, so tell me a little bit more about like kind of now where you're at, right? Like you noticed cuz I'm, you know, you said something about cover my meds where um you know, you were you were in front of a bunch of people And, and, you know, talking in a room full of everybody else you work with, you know, your manager says, Hey, you're pretty good. You should do account manager stuff. Right. And, and seeing how like slowly but surely the, the world of the startup was like kind of like helping you evolve professionally yourself. Right. Um, I, I see that now. Like, so with, you know, my wife, Danielle, um, she, uh, she's at Nationwide. And she's, uh, she, she's doing a job of, like, updating documents and things like that for, you know, uh, insurance policies all over the country and everything. And, uh, you know, her, her boss tells her a lot, you know, her supervisor or director or whatever will say, you know, hey, like, you know, okay, you want to do this? Great. Like, I want to I make sure we utilize you for those things and stuff. Um, but, but you don't really get, when you're in a company that big, it's like you don't really get that opportunity to say, hey, you do that really well. Let's have you do this. You know yeah. what I'm saying. Let's switch you over, right? Because it, it it's too big for that, right? You are, in some sense, a number when you've got thousands of employees, mm-hmm. um, you know, that are all working specific, you know, jobs and 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 have specific titles to make this giant machine run, right? Yeah. But at a, at a startup, it's it's so much simpler than that, and yeah. and it's so much easier to. To dip your feet in in foreign waters and, and and try to find you know new experiences and new things that that you can test out. Um, tell me about like and you mentioned that too and like talking to you know all the employees at Olive now of like you know telling them the you know explaining to them the culture at Olive and what it's like you know the the energy and the and the fun and excitement of of being a part of a startup. What what is some of those things that that you enjoy about? You know what i mean that, that's kept you kind of in that startup world for these last yeah. several years
1: yeah i mean i i will i i always there are pluses and minuses for startups or at least uh i i'll go into this saying this a lot of people think that startups are paradises and they're not they're hard i don't have all these gray hairs on my face <laughs> uh because i'm super old it's because it's stressful but i yeah. i think there are a few things that I, so i'll do let's do two of them i'll, I'll talk about the benefits of startups, and then just things to look out for. So number one, you know, every startup that I've worked for, and and particularly with Cover My Meds and Olive, it's, I I, I say this all the time, it's okay to be weird, right? It's okay to be different, because you're surrounded by people who are also weird and different. And so um, one of the huge benefits that I see is, I am able to come to work, black gay man, facial piercings, tattoos, mildly excitable about random stuff, uh, curse a lot and am usually told that that is fine, right? right? I love that. You can just be yourself at work. you can still you still need to be respectful of other people, but but you get to be your your most authentic self because there isn't this there isn't a lot of time to say how do we look or what language do we have to use? There are more important things like standing that business up, you know? Some of the other stuff that I love is that, you know, if you think about a startup, it is really an accelerator as far as your business career goes. I always thought that the highlight of my career would be like sometime between me being 35 and 40, I'd finally hit being a manager, right? And that would be it. I wouldn't do much <laughs> after that. Uh, uh, but because startups often require that you work really really quickly and turn things around very quickly uh, and the quality's got to be good because unlike nationwide the future of the organization can sometimes be saddled on a single project right right and a company could be destroyed if that doesn't happen you learn it insanely fast it also gives you this really awesome opportunity to do more than one thing and so you know with cover cover my meds is a great example i wasn't just the company trainer i did a lot of other stuff in unofficial capacities and everyone did because you have more work than there are people to do that work either because the funding isn't there yet uh, to hire them or we're hiring but the work has to be done now right and so along the way you pick up all of these amazing skills that you may not have been able to get otherwise either because you know it's a big complex company and you know, there are particular people who can do those roles. Um, one thing that startups uh, uh, experience as they grow is refinement in roles. So you will be a, a Jack or Jill of all trades uh, uh, in an early stage startup. But if you're in a later stage startup, there are someone to do all those jobs. Um, it's, but it gives you this awesome ability to get experience in a wide variety of areas and you can pick which one you like. So it, it's really awesome for that. But it's also stressful, you know? Uh, people, again, look at startups, and, and when I was interviewing folks, they would often do this. They'd look at me, if they saw me, uh, they'd look at our office and they'd be like, oh my God, this is so cool. Like, you come to work, I'll drop an <laughs> F-bomb on their, uh, on their interviews because one of my questions that I usually ask people is like, what's your biggest career fuck up and what did you learn from it? And they're like, oh my God, you said the F-word. This is so cool. But the real thing is, you know, it's tough. You know, it's, it's really, really hard. You will go into a startup And again, there is more work than there is time in the day. Uh, You will go into a startup and there will be issues that you need to solve, uh, problems that you need to solve. And there's not always a solution at hand or there's not a tool that's been purchased yet that will actually do the thing. And so you end up bootstrapping it uh, instead. And that's tough. Uh, Most startups fail. Uh, And that's one thing I, I, you know, when I was the head of talent at Beam, I would always tell people if they were um, uh, super excited about uh, joining a startup and I thought it was for the wrong reasons. That's one reality I need them to know because joining a startup is risky. A a lot of folks who make this their careers, uh, uh, you know, at some point will run into a place where they have been laid off or the company just fails and no one has a job but they stay in these spaces because they love them, right? You don't have a lot of the bureaucracy that you see with the larger companies. Uh, You get to uh, do incredible stuff that you would not be able to get a chance to do at larger companies. So while they're amazing, and I don't think that I would work in a space that wasn't a startup, Uh, it's just, I love it. Um, It's not right for everyone, Uh, uh, but, it gives me this really awesome opportunity to connect with people because, unlike some larger organizations, startups usually care a lot about their people, um, about their people's well-being, um, their happiness at work, and so I get to exist in a space where that's my main focus, or one of two focuses in, in the case of current uh, uh, the current world. Right. Uh, uh, but I love it because if a startup gives me uh, the power, uh, or at least the space to do stuff. Uh, I get to do things that are interesting to me, like, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, at the organization. We get to, uh, highlight employee voices. We get to, uh, start different programs to celebrate our, our achievements, whether they be on an individual level or a greater level than that. Uh, we get to give our employees experiences both inside and outside the company. Uh, if they build something, like one thing Olive does that's one of my favorite programs is called the Horizon Summit. It's a uh, internal hackathon where people just come up with ideas on a different theme. Uh, And uh, one of them recently was an idea that a woman had where she said, you know, we're doing stand-ups every day and my manager will usually ask how we're doing. And it's like, I think it was like green, yellow, red, like, a you know, like a stoplight. Yeah. So if you weren't doing good, you'd be a red. And, you know, uh, the manager would get uh, a feedback on that and then they could see their overall statistics, right? And so she was just like, I should build an app for this. She built a Slack app for it and she presented it. And I was like, that's awesome. You and I are talking next week. <laughs> you don't always get that in larger companies. Right. But I love that that you know we can take time to do stuff like that. We're about to do yeah. a presentation on Juneteenth, right? Uh, some company, I know companies woke to that stuff now but they haven't always been, <laughs> right? right? right. Uh, anytime I wanna do presentations surrounding that or, or other things, it's always a yes. Because these companies usually care a lot about employees. Um, uh, there has been lack of diversity in the in the uh, startup space, um, but now we're starting to pay attention to it, or I should say, uh, uh, the startup community is starting to pay attention to it. Right. And I could go on and on about that that <laughs> side of things too. But uh, but yeah, I, I would say that's my very long-winded answer to that. Awesome, awesome, man. That's sweet. Um,
0: so so you mentioned too, like your, your kind of like day-to-day responsibilities now at Olive are you know talking to all of the new hires, telling them about the the culture at Olive, um, you know getting them excited to you know to work for the company and, and tell them the values and, and things like that but then you also mentioned making sure that that they're a part of their communities whether they live here or whether they they work remotely right um, how the hell do you do that? Like do you just say, hey, here's a list of some places in your community that I've never been to, but they should be great, so you should check them out? Or are you like helping them organize things or are you just kind of like giving them like, hey, here's a cheat sheet for how to be a,
1: a good community member? Or or what? Yeah. I'll tell you right now, I don't know the fuck I'm doing on that front, right? Because I am, a, a lot of my employee engagement has always been in the office. I've yeah. never been a remote uh, uh, employee. So a lot of this has been uh, has been relatively new. It's also new to Olive, right? Yeah. So one of the ways that we're trying to do it is through an organization here uh, in Columbus called BESA, right? Uh, ways to give back to your community um, and, and awesome in uh, uh, awesome volunteerism events. Um, BESA, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't want to speak too much for them, have, have traditionally worked only here in Ohio, but because most of our workforce is not in Ohio, we've asked them, uh, if they can help us, uh, create those events, uh, where a majority of our employees are located, whether that be here in Ohio or in Orlando, Florida, uh, Southern California, Austin, Denver, Chicago, stuff wow. like that. Right. And so it gives, you know, I know the feeling of, uh, you know, getting my hands dirty in my own community. Um, you know, again, I'm from Detroit. Uh, uh, there are lots of things that could be said about Detroit, um, but I remember a, a community that was incredibly vibrant when I was growing up and it has since deteriorated uh, and, and people joke around about it and in a very negative way. Uh, and here in Columbus, we also have that, right? We have communities that have been neglected uh, uh or or gentrified like my community here is right. when i moved here four or five years ago mostly working class mostly you know people of color those folks have been since moved out because their houses are no longer for rent they've been flipped yeah. and sold to someone else right so you know here in columbus a lot of our volunteerism events have been giving back to communities in need Uh, uh, and we're hoping to do that in other parts of uh, the country as well. One of our substations, uh, we call uh, uh, locations where Olivians, people work at Olive, uh, (laughs) Olivians are are centralized, we call those substations. One of them is in Baltimore, Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, My cousin lives out there uh, with her husband and it has a lot of uh, similarities to Detroit, not so much the decay side of things, but you know, uh, communities that need help and need focus, right? And so trying to find ways that we can give back uh, you know, as, as uh, individuals or even as the company um, uh, giving back in some way. We wanna try and make those connections as much as we can. Sometimes it, it you know, has a benefit to the organization, right? Uh, getting the name of Olive out there is good because we want to have an impact in healthcare and everyone needs healthcare. But a lot of our give back events are individual right it's it's a group of people uh olivians get together and they say we want to do this event we are going to sign up and do something and they don't have to wear olive shirts they don't have to wear olive face masks they do it because they want to uh and and i just think that that's beautiful now we will have to you know there are going to be other things as well now that stuff's reopening uh now we have to redefine what connecting to your community means right part of that will still be volunteering and you know raising your hand to say let's let's make some change but it's probably going to evolve to something else um some of the stuff we were thinking about were you know sponsoring murals uh to beautify neighborhoods so it's not us you know doing the thing but uh it's helping artists uh create something beautiful for their communities which. Helps both of those, right? right? Artists, we ain't paid all that much money right. for our art anymore, <laughs> right. uh, uh, And so helping in that way, and 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 creating something that'll last for for a long time. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. That's great, man. That's yeah.
0: awesome. So sweet, dude. Yeah, yeah. I've been, uh, you know, for me, like the last several years have been, um, you know, I've been at a space called Blockfort downtown, mm-hmm. full of artists, and uh, and I was one of the few like what I would consider, like, more, like, business tenants there, and, uh, but being able to, like, you know, pick up a, a paintbrush, or a roller, or a can of paint, and, you know, have a hand, and painting a mural on the side of our building, or going and saying, hey, you know, this artist is, is painting a mural at, at Easton Town Center, or at this place, can you, you know, shoot a video, and, and document that that process, you know, so we can, we can capture that, and, and, and show that, um, has been incredible, you know, yeah. like, just seeing people Walking past, like even I remember, uh, you know, I, I stopped by to, to take a couple of photos uh, on I think it's on Main Street, and uh, there's a there's this big mural that uh, um, Patrick Torres and uh, Julie Martin did um, that's like all these plants, and it says, you know, they tried to bury us, but they didn't know we were. Uh, we were seeds, nice. and uh, it's like this, you know, like this old saying. And um, I remember just, you know, Patrick was just like, "Hey, man, can you just like stop by and take some photos real quick while we paint?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." So I'm doing that, and just seeing people walk by and just stop and just stare in awe of this this piece going up. You know, it was just like, it was like, "Yeah, like that's that's what we need more of." You yeah. know, For 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 you, I had a friend of mine uh, from high school passed away uh, when. He was mid-20s several years ago, and um, I remember at his funeral, uh, uh, somebody, you know, somebody got up and was talking about him and stuff, and he was like, you know, he was like, he's like, Joe always told me that, uh, you know, no matter how crazy life gets, no matter how much things you have going on, um, you got to remember to stop and smell the roses, (laughs) you know? And and that always kind of stuck out to me when it came to, like, public art, you know, like just... It, it, it gives you a reason to just stop and smell the roses, you know, yeah. just take a second, admire it for what it is, see the beauty in it, no matter what kind of, you know, uh, no matter how bad or torn down the building is that it's painted on, um, or, or how nice the building is, you know, if it's a new development, like, it's it's just that little reminder that, uh, you know, beauty's all around us, you know?
1: Dude, I, like, it's, it's something that I wish that we had more of, you yeah. know, there are, um, I, I, like I grew like we were not, we did not have a lot of money when I was growing yeah. up, you know? And so being able to go to a museum was a rarity. Like I would maybe go through my school, but it wasn't something that we could afford right. to do. You, you know? weren't going like, you know, on Saturday afternoons to check it out right. all the time and stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, and so in in those respects, it feels like art is often caged up in that way, you know, and there's no opportunity for folks to just experience it. Like, I feel you when you talk about street art and you see it, like, Ah, it like drives an emotion, whether it's like connection to whatever's being depicted or just its presence there, you right, know? Right. And what I love about street art is that no one owns it. It's it's yeah. for public display. Right. We used to call this stuff like public works, like it was for the benefit of the community. Yeah. And I don't know if it was like through graffiti or you know what, but it, it, it felt like cities just stopped putting up these beautiful works of art, you know, by right. by artists who are alive right now. It's cool to see it in Columbus though. Yeah. Um, you know, I love, uh, I, I was walking to, I think it was one line on my way, uh, we were walking to one line in Franklinton yeah. and I passed one of my coworkers, uh, his art was on the side of the building, wow. uh, which was just mind blowing because none of us expected it. Yeah, And so you've got, again, this dual benefit, you benefit the community that gets to just observe this at no cost right. um uh, or anything and then you get to highlight these amazing artists that are alive right now uh who are creating amazing things and impacting their city for for the you know for right. the better right uh i i want to see more of that yeah. and compensate
0: them to to help them Continue yes. doing what they're
1: doing, right? Like, yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's always that's always the part that's missing, right? <laughs> right. Everyone, everyone wants art for yeah. free, and, yeah. and to a certain extent, like you know, having it, I, I think, free and accessible are are two different things, right? Yeah. I think it's worth the investment, but also giving access to people who may not be able to uh, to get it otherwise. Right. Uh, right. I, I think that's really really important. Definitely. So, yeah. Definitely. Sweet man. Cool um so yeah so last thing then um
0: it, this has been great by the way man so thank you so much for this <laughs> no like, problem it, it's been so long since like you and i have been able to like chat like we've seen each other around the city and say what's up here and there um seeing you at best of projects yeah. you know <laughs> while you guys are volunteering at community gardens and stuff <laughs> um but yeah it's been it's been super great just getting to catch up and like hear your story since you know those old days back at, at you know cellular Fuck cellular yeah. shops so um uh, so yeah man but um but i told you the uh um, way that I kind of came up with the idea to do this series was, was me kind of finding myself and, and trying to figure out what I was going to do and, and how I could have more purpose and, and what I'm doing for a living. Right. Um, and, and I got a lot of that from reading and, uh, and, you know, from practicing and things like that. Um, if you could have any, like, are you big into reading or podcasts or, or any of that stuff? Is there anything yeah. that you would like recommend for like, you know, just Ooh. something great to read or, or a podcast
1: to, to check out or something? All my podcasts are depressing because they're about politics. No, uh, <laughs> uh, I've, I've unsubscribed from a lot of them because I'm exhausted. Um, as far as, oh man, that's a good one. So I, you know, recently, a lot of what I read is, is fiction and, uh, and I do think that there's often something to get from fiction. Uh, but I don't have a good example of that here. But I will say that, you know, one of the things, so when I started at Olive, one of the things I started was a manager training series. We, we had a lot of new managers, people who had never managed before. And we had a lot of folks who had managed at other companies and there was no like integration of this is how we do stuff at Olive. So I started a series up there and one of the gentlemen who works at Olive said, uh, asked me like, hey, is it cool if I start a book club? And I'm like, dude, I, I don't. I don't own the, the manager Slack channel, I just started it to create right. this community, right? This is the kind of thing I hoped would come from it. Right. So he had us, uh, he asked if people were interested in, in joining and he recommended uh, Brene Brown's um, uh, uh, Dare to Lead. Okay. Apparently I'm the only person in America that has never heard who Brene Brown <laughs> is uh, because literally everyone, they're like, oh yeah, I totally know who she is, i read her <laughs> books. So the reason that I, um, I I would recommend that for a lot of reasons. One of the biggest ones is because um, uh, when I think about my own management and leadership, um, there is something about vulnerability that goes with it, right? When I started with my team, so I, I have uh, a manager of employee development and a manager of employee engagement, and on the development side, Uh, you know, her name is Andrea Hermsdorfer. She uh, has uh, three direct reports, right? And I didn't hire her. Uh, She was hired uh, uh, before I came into the company. Uh, She started after me, but she was originally supposed to report to someone else. Uh, They said, you're in charge of learning. She should probably report to you. And also we're gonna expand it to the whole company. And I was like, okay, let's try it out. But one of the first things that I, you know, when she and I met, um, uh, we, we talked and I said, you know, I, I want to understand how you, uh, you know, how you like to be managed. Um, and then I told her, one of the things with me is that I want you to, I, I want over time for you to, to trust me, uh, uh, to confide in me and trust me enough that, and I always use this example, even though it's the worst one. I want you to trust me to the point where if you decide that Olive isn't the place that you want to work anymore, for whatever reason, maybe you wanna grow or you find a, a title or a role somewhere else that will level you up, that I don't find out when you put in your two weeks, I find out when you start looking, right? And I was like, I am absolutely gonna try to get you to not do it, but the fact that you would tell me at the beginning of your search means that you trust me enough that you know that I wouldn't fire you because I know you were looking, right? And so there's a certain amount of transparency and trust in leadership. And she also talks about vulnerability. I'm not the best manager in the world because I still have a lot to learn. And so with my team, I am usually very vulnerable about the things that I'm nervous about or the things I am not good at myself or even if I'm just having a bad week. I've talked to them before about my mental illness. I suffer from depression. I've suffered from severe depression since I was a kid. Uh, and I told them that it's, you know, sometimes, sometimes it gets bad enough that I may not be able to work very well. Uh, uh, and and I try to be as open as I can because I hope that they would trust me, uh, that if they were to confide in me anything that is, uh, th- you know, there, there is generally shame that goes along with mental illness that we as a society are trying to shed, right? And right. say that it's not worth being ashamed of. But if there is something that brings them shame, whether it's, whether it's warranted or not, uh, that they feel comfortable sharing that. Because ultimately we're just people joining together to try to accomplish something, right? And we're trying to accomplish something under the umbrella that is Olive. Um, So I would recommend that book because it talks a lot about vulnerability, it talks about feedback, it talks about leading, not in a way that I am always strong or I am always positive. People don't trust folks who are always strong or always positive. It also says you should open yourself up to be vulnerable because if you build up an armor around you, you can't do things like love or care about people. You also can't really innovate because you'll always be afraid to fuck up, right? And there is no innovation if there are no fuck ups, right? right. So I would absolutely recommend that book. Uh, uh, she just does an amazing job of tying up things that in my brain were theoretical because I was like, I kind of came to this on my own. <laughs> I have no idea if this is actually how the world works. And and she's like, here's the science behind it. Uh, and so uh, uh, if you're a people leader, I would definitely say read that book. It's it's a fucking amazing book. Awesome, Yeah. Awesome. It's so funny, man, that you, that you mentioned
0: Dare to lead, and like you talk about managing people, because I am right now. I've just brought on like my first two team members, and going from like being a freelancer full time to like now having people to to kind of like manage and and train and and kind of like assist there, right? Is like a huge crazy shift for yeah. me. You know what I'm saying? Like it's nuts, and it, like I I keep like going home like and telling Danielle like this is like crazy. You know, like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to like manage people and, and how do I manage my, myself and my time to make sure that it's working. Um, you know, cause like you, you said something earlier about, um, you know, like working at a startup, you, you have to learn fast, right? Yeah. Because one project could, could, could be a big fuck up, you know? And, and I'm realizing that with my team members of like, okay, I'll give them a little bit. And then it's like, Okay, like you know, I'll have a client hit me up and be like, "Hey, like that wasn't really what we expected." It's like, ah, all right, cool. Don't worry, we'll take care of it, you know. And then, and then you try to remedy that, and then also train at the same time. So it's like this, like crazy, like we're moving fast because we're so busy, but then also trying to train and give them as much knowledge as I possibly can, yeah. While trying to keep that transparency with them and say, "Hey, like you know, like I love that that you sat down with her when 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 you guys first started and was like." How do you want to be managed? You know, yeah. how how do you like being managed? And it's like, I don't think I've ever had a manager that has ever asked me how I wanted to be managed. <laughs> you know what I mean? People just do it, and that's it. They're the manager. Like you do what they say, and how they how they want to do it, and that's how it's got to be done. You know, um, but to but to hear you say that is like giant light bulb in my head going like oh my gosh man you know like and i've been trying to ask them as much questions as possible like do you think this works do you think that would work for you if it doesn't let me know let's try it this way and let's kind of see because like i'm trying to Figure out how to lead while you're trying to figure out how to, you know what I'm saying, do your thing and, and excel in, in what you're doing. So yeah, man, it's just been like, uh, leadership has been a big thing for me that I'm like really trying to do. And, and it definitely sounds like Dare to Lead needs to be my next one. So. I
1: mean, it's, you know, I, I will say this, it, it, you know, the fact that you think about what you just said, right? You, every manager that you've had has never asked you how you want to be managed. Yeah. And so the fact that you give a fuck enough to get their opinion already sets you ahead of a lot of the assholes that are out there, right? Right, Uh, A a lot, there's a lot, there's multiple books about about leadership and management, but, you know, I always try to boil everything down as basic as I can because it's when you make it so complex that you get intimidated because there's so many parts, you know? Work is just a group of people getting together to try to accomplish something. And then that's all me and Andrea and and the rest of our team are doing. We're gathering, we're, we're being compensated by the company for our time. Uh, But we are gathering together to try to accomplish something. And so the first thing that I need to do is uh, first thing I say is we are both people. I have a title that's higher than yours which means that my not that I'm better than you I'm not I'm still a person right I'm not Christian but okay let me replay rate this really quick I'm you know I'm 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 not I'm not religious I'm I'm atheist but but there was this when when someone was trying to explain the trinity to me uh, it said they said that God the Father is not better than God the Son they're both god but they've taken different roles. And God the Father is at a more prominent role than you know, God the Son, uh, uh, but they're still God, right? And so when we think about people, I, Sean Lane, our CEO, is no better than me. He's still a person. He's still a person in this world. Right. He just has different responsibilities, a lot more responsibilities, um, but ultimately we're people. And so with Andrea, she's still a person. I am no better than she is. I have different responsibilities than her. I probably have a little bit more uh, uh, weighty responsibilities, but we're ultimately both partners in all this. And so when I refer to them, I say, I'm not your boss. We are partners with different titles, uh, different responsibilities trying to accomplish something. And anytime you're trying to accomplish something with someone else, you gotta figure out how they work, right? Right. Especially if they're reporting to you. So that was my first question to her. For me, it was tough because I've spent a lot of my life being an individual contributor. So success meant me producing stuff. Nowadays, that ain't true. My success is her success and her team's success. So a lot of my stuff right now isn't producing. It's how do I get stuff out of the way so she can run? Um, If there are roadblocks, uh, uh, you know, how do I get rid of them? And because, I don't know, I'm weird and I don't really... I care about my career, but not all that much. I get way more fulfillment uh, with, with other people rising up. I am. I continue to think, how can I build her up so that if I get hit by a bus, and this is what I've told her, I want to get you to the point where if I get hit by a bus, there's no other person that this company will look for to replace me than you. Right? And so now I have an obligation to give her as much experience and uh, uh, yeah, I think the word is experience. Uh, 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 Enough interactions, enough visibility that if I do get hit by a bus, there is no question. Andrea is the director of employee development. Same thing on the engagement side. My goal is to give uh, uh, Jess enough experience uh, enough interactions with the organization enough visibility that there is no question and that's really led my job uh, uh for the last you know a few uh, probably a little over half of the year and i think we've done a really good job of that you know yeah. and and so i'm excited but it is tough because especially in the position you're in you still have to be a producer of stuff right so it is balancing it but Remember, you're all just a group of people trying to accomplish something. And the fact that you're asking these questions makes you better than a lot of managers out there. So keep reading, keep taking what you can, try stuff out, get their feedback. Upward feedback is great, right? Uh, uh, I always end my one-on-ones with my manager with, uh, uh, you know, is there anything I could be doing better? Do you have any feedback for me? And I brace for it every single time, you know? And, uh, and if there is, there's something to take from it. If there's not, that's okay. That means I'm going in the right direction. Uh, I asked that to Andrea as well, uh, because I want to know how I can be a better manager for her. And if you think about it, go back to the whole cover my meds thing, right? A company treated me like I was a person and that changed my entire world. my The, the scope of my career and what I wanted to be just because of that interaction It was probably bigger than that, but it started with that interaction of saying, I think it's weird that you're asking me, should you cover up your tattoos, right? (laughs) Right. And so all I wanna do is extend that to someone else. I wanna see Andrea grow into a director and then a VP and something like that. And I would be the happiest person in the world. That's my goal. And that would fulfill me more than anything else. You just pass that along so that other people can have it. So now you have an obligation to do the same, to build up your direct reports So that they can be just as good as you or surpass you in what you've done. And that will be your success. Bam. Beautiful, man.
0: (laughs) So good. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you taking this time with me, man. And that was like, I have to be like one of my top conversations I've ever had with somebody. You say that. Thank you so much. I don't. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks for checking out this episode of The Purpose Project. For more information on Chase, find him on Instagram at Chaseism or connect with him on LinkedIn. For a list of Chase's book recommendations or to find out more about the Purpose Project, find us on social media at Matchbox Ltd or on our website at www.MatchboxLTD.com. Thanks, and I'll see you on the next one.